You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Sob here. Excited to have on this episode, NLC 2017 Philly fellow. President Kogor is here. He's also on the NLC SF board, so he's in it both coasts. Always exciting to talk to folks here. We'll talk a little bit of post-election news and other things as well. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Yeah, Preston, what was the reason for the move from coast to coast? It was actually, it was actually a lot of, a lot to do with love. I, uh, oh. my partner, <laughs> my, my partner has been out here for, my partner Madrid has been out here for a few years. Um, she moved out here to pursue a, a career in the, in the pastry world. And, uh, we did long distance for a while and I, it was time for me, for us to finally unite. And I came out for grad school. So it was love in grad school, love in education. <laughs> and how is the pastry world holding up during COVID times? I actually feel like it'd be a great time to eat lots of pastries. It, so she, she was at a fine dining restaurant, and ah. um, as with many restaurants, like she got furloughed, unfortunately, but she, she, was, she ended up transitioning. She had a friend who started a company called Butter Ant. Um, they, do, um, they, do, they do wedding cakes and all these really cool cakes designs. And at the time, as they transitioned, to the, or as the pandemic happened, they transitioned to this thing called uh, quarantine cakes with little messages <laughs> on the cakes. And nice. it took off overnight, um, and they blew up worldwide. It was really cool, actually. She is one of the uh, more successful stories in the pastry world, <laughs> for sure. Very interesting to hear. Yeah, good shout out for sure. Well, listen, we're talking with you a little bit about campaigns and politics. Give folks a scoop on what you were involved with uh, over the last couple of weeks and months up leading up to Election Day. For sure. Yeah, so I, I moved out to San Francisco about two years ago and um, finished grad school in last May. And last December, I was fortunate enough, there was a, a local a local race, um, a guy named Su- or Dean Preston, wasn't supervisor then, but... The impression he was running for running for office as a supervisor. Um, one, I was like, "What's a supervisor?" and quickly learned it's basically city council. But mm. he was running, and as I moved to San Francisco, it was, it was very, um, as you can imagine, like moving from a different coast. It was very lonely, and one of the best ways to get involved and meet people is to volunteer on a campaign. So I was volunteering on his campaign, and uh, one he ended up winning the election by about 180 votes um, oh, wow. against an incumbent. And ultimately, we um, it came time for him to hire staff, and I was I was fortunate enough to be one of the people he hired. And we we took office in January, and next thing I know, a few months later, it's like worldwide pandemic, and uh, it's still been a blessing to do the job, but the the work is more critical than it could have, it could have, could ever be. And in terms of what you're hearing during the race, what kind of messages were landing most successfully with people? It, it, was, it was it was it was it was really interesting for a few reasons. We we ran an extremely progressive um, San Francisco campaign. And um, one of the biggest issues um, with many cities, but especially in San Francisco, is, is around the issue of homelessness. And, uh, and when, when the pandemic hit, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the shelters um, unfortunately had to close, which ultimately meant a lot of homeless people or people experiencing homelessness had to hit the streets. And it was, it was really sad. And one of, our, one of the things that we did was we unanimously passed legislation to the board to um, to house home, uh, people experiencing homelessness in, in hotels. And as the pandemic kind of wore on, it was, we were still having extreme issues around uh, people experiencing homelessness and people on the streets and, and them at risk of, of catching COVID. And people really saw a lot of, um, a lot of issues with a lot of, a lot of families. And as you know, like San Francisco, or you may, might not know, but San Francisco has a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were really struggling and grappling with an increase in homelessness on the streets that that people go they see every day to get coffee and there was a huge uh, huge fight and the election came down to essentially 
um, really, a really, really nasty, uh, really nasty images of, of homelessness and, and, and really taking away from the humanity uh, of people. And it was, it was really sad, but we, we ran an extremely progressive campaign and uh, our opponent the last minute um, back in October uh, was, had, a, had an IE, independent expenditure uh, super PAC, um, also known as a super PAC, that invested about $3 million um, against the, into our opponent. And once again, a local city council race, it was, it was wild. And we were getting ads. I live in the district. I was getting three or four ads, mailers in my in my mailbox, really kind of distorting this issue of homelessness. That was um, that we at the time it was, it was hard to judge whether it was resonating. But ultimately, we um, ultimately ended up pulling it out. It was it was unreal. So when you think about the question, is is California really progressive? How do you answer that these days? And the reason I ask is, you know, Biden vote totals in California are enormous, like this huge, huge. Uh, totals in his count. But then once the dust settled on election day, a lot of really progressive ballot measures, for example, and even some candidates too, we, we had some house seats flip back from from blue to, to, to red. But a lot of the ballot measures that I think would, would really uphold this idea that California is a super progressive place didn't pass um, and got thumped in many cases too. So I was, I'm curious for folks who've been here a little while now and are in the progressive scene, what's your answer to that question? No, it's, a, it's a great question. It's, it, it, it's a complicated one. I think uh, after election day, I think what was very clear was um, the the California as, as progressive. I think was called into question with issue with ba- the ballot measure of like Prop 22, where you saw Uber and Lyft throw millions of dollars, um, the most expensive ballot measure in the history um, of California. And what what I will say though is, is San Francisco. San Francisco lived by its values. San Francisco is is, is still a prog- very progressive city. We uh, um, Cal- San Francisco voted um, against Prop 22 in overwhelming numbers. Um, we introduced a, a ballot measure of the board called Prop I. Um, it was called the Real Estate Transfer Tax um, okay. that that took anyone who's selling, the seller of a $10 million house um, up to $25 million, um, it raised that tax a few percentage points um, with the goal of, and then $25 million and over, um, with the goal of really kind of paying back small landlords and tenants who are um, some of the back rent that they're experiencing in the, in the pandemic. Um, and that at the time there was like seven or eight million dollars against that, that ballot measure um, from the real estate industry. There's real concerns around like what this looks like for people who are going to be selling their property and what it looked like for the real estate market. And San Francisco, San Francisco showed up. Um, they showed up and overwhelmingly voted for the measure um, in a moment where um, the, the, the country is, I mean, even though Biden won, and thankfully, like, um, there's still a lot of people who voted for Trump. And we, like you said, we saw California vote in favor of Prop 22. And we saw house races losing California. San Francisco really pulled through and the values um, really showed in such important ways. Well said. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about California politics and where we're headed in the rest of this calendar year of 2020. Thanks for tuning in this episode of The Zach. We'll be right back. You know, on this issue of San Francisco and to some degree L.A. County, being more progressive and, and ahead of the state. I guess that, that tracks and makes sense. There are red parts of California and places like the Central Valley or even something more cosmopolitan, potentially like San Diego. As the Dems are trying to figure out their messaging going forward and doing some of the autopsy, what are some of the, the lessons you would like them to learn or some of the things that you might want to see them try as we look ahead already to, to 2022? Yeah, I'm, by no means am I a professional messenger, uh, messenger but um, in terms of messaging, but I, I think what, what really shows up is it's very easy to get sucked into the San Francisco bubble that exists, but it, what is very clear is that 
when you run a campaign, you need to inspire people. Um, we ran a grassroots campaign. We had hundreds of volunteers in the midst of a pandemic knocking on doors and making phone calls um, late into the evening on election night. And the reason they were doing that was, I mean, one, we were, we were he was elected last year in a special election, so he was an incumbent, but the message really transpired for people. Like we passed, we shut down the eviction machine in San Francisco. And we know like there's gonna be a, there's a national pandemic, not just COVID, but it's gonna be an eviction pandemic after this is over. And we need policies that inspire people, policies that affect everyday, every, everyday people's lives. And when you run a campaign that's, that's progressive, that is both progressive and identifies with the local jurisdiction you are running in, people are inspired. And I think oftentimes we get stuck into these bubbles, well, the city is blue, therefore you can run a progressive campaign. Um, as someone who's from rural Pennsylvania, um, a small city that, that the county is deeply red, um, like I, I would make the argument that we can run campaigns with progressive values that um, that are grounded in in progressive values um, that are reflected in in the community. Um, and I think it's the lesson we learned is there was huge pushback on this Prop I, the transfer tax, and it really turned people out, and they were excited um, to vote for measures like taxing the wealthy. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Hey, last thing, being on the the NLC SF board out there, what? Mm-hmm. Kind of discussions are you all having about the 2021 fellows? I think we're about to drop those announcements uh, here pretty soon. But yeah, as so you think about trying to build community virtually with them, they'll, they'll be a unique group uh, given what they'll have to go through. What kind of things have you all discussed and thought of to try to bring them into the fold? I, I will say, I, I, the first thing I'll say is I miss NLC Philly, so I miss my community back in back <laughs> in the East Coast. Um, but it, it's really tough. Like I'm, I, I joined the board in back in August, and I'm so blessed. Like NLC is, is really a national thing, and you can go from one community to the other. So I'm blessed they just took me in um, uh, as I was moving. But as we go into 2021, like I'm excited just to add people to the family. Like NLC is family in so many ways. And uh, we were, I was on a call earlier today, and we were thinking back through like our holiday party. And you just do it. You build community through these like these little moments. Um, well, the holiday party is a larger moment, but you build them through these like larger and smaller moments where you really bring people together. Especially now when it's like you can't leave your house and attend a gathering for of more than a few people. Um, so I think I'm just excited to add to the family and just kind of hit the ground running. Um, we have some awesome speakers that we we're thinking through, and um, it's definitely got me. I'm on the curriculum and uh, the curriculum institute, and just thinking creatively like how do you engage people remote um it's i was a former teacher like it's, it's hard i couldn't imagine teachers right now and i'm trying to think through i'm really kidding out my teachers being like how do you do it um just getting insight and like how do you engage people remote in a moment where we're on zoom all day it's hard but i'm just excited to bring them in excited to welcome and welcome to the family and, and build community well said well listen we're glad to have you on this coast thanks for contributing to nlc out there and thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the zag make sure to catch all the past episodes we have a bunch we're closing in on 300 or so so spend an afternoon or two or three listening to those get those at all the places you find your podcast apple google soundcloud spotify stitcher they're all there so until next time we'll catch you soon